Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text this morning is the scripture lesson that was just read. Dear fellow redeemed, in the name of our loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Church has historically condemned extreme forms of dualism, such as first and second century Gnosticism, Marcionism, and later Manichaeism, which postulate two separate deities, one good and the other either inferior or evil. However, there is an ample amount of legitimate dualism in the world and in life itself. Human beings are either male or female. They are mothers and fathers. We speak about higher and lower primates, rational and irrational creatures. There are day and night, summer and winter. There are winners and losers. Maybe grade-wise, you have some academic quarters that are good quarters, and maybe some others that are either bad quarters or not such good quarters. We know there are good people and there are bad people in this world. Troy, the recent made-for-television movie that was shown on satellite and cable television, seemed to be a pretty good depiction of Homer's famous epic classic about the, about the Trojan War. And in Homer's Iliad, there are two great warriors who fought on the different sides in that war. There was the Trojan Hector, who is depicted in the movie as a, as a kind, decent, family sort of man. And then there is the Greek Achilles, who is depicted as cunning and often very temperamental. But in the man-on-man conflict that takes place outside the walls of Troy, one must win and one must lose. It's an either-or situation, much like Theron Kierkegaard described in the title of one of his works, Either-Or. There are also many either-ors in Scripture, where there is an ample amount of dualism, There is God and there is Satan. There are the good angels and there are the bad angels. There are the saved and there are the lost. There are those who will be on the right hand and those who will be on the left hand on the day of judgment. There are those who shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. And there are those who shouted, crucify him, crucify him. There is law and there is gospel. The one condemns and the other saves. Except for the introductory words at the beginning of verse 5, our text in Jeremiah consists of two strophes, fairly well-balanced message-wise, line by line. It seems to be an Old Testament example of the idea of the two ways that appears in Scripture and then comes down through the decay in the early church until the same idea that exists today there are those who are saved, and there are those who are lost. There is a way of life, and there is a way of death. The people described in our text correspond to the lost and to the saved, to those who are enemies of God, and to those who belong to the true Israel. The text says that those who trust in humans are cursed, while those who trust in God are blessed. The one group trusts in their flesh for their strength, The other group 
places his confidence in the Lord. One group, we are told, dwells in the barrenness of a parched parched desert that is as productive as the salt flats of Utah. The other group never worries about drought and lives in a land that never ceases to bear fruit. These two places are suggestive of those who dwell in hell and those who will dwell in heaven for all eternity. There is a dualism here. The text leaves us with the contrary choices. Do we want to reject God's invitation to salvation, or do we want to accept it through faith? We can't accept the old philosophical argument that if there are two things, there must be an intermediary third position. It is either you are with God or you are against him. In fact, the book of Revelation says that God simply does not accept or will not have lukewarm Christians. It says he will spew them out of his mouth. To God, we must be either cold or hot. We must either be with him or we are against him. In many ways, the traditional dualism of our text of Scripture and historic Christianity is being sacrificed in our world today in the name of inclusiveness, political correctness, and multiculturalism. The message of those isms is that there are fundamentally no differences, no basic difference, for instance, between a man and a woman. A woman supposedly has as good a spatial conceptualization as a man and I suppose the man is supposed to have as good a level of intuition as the woman does. They are always to be considered equal, never complementary. There supposedly simply are no differences. We are also constantly being told that one culture or one civilization is as good as the next. Supposedly, each civilization has contributed equally overall to human civilization and culture. None is greater, none is less, and so also supposedly no political system is superior to any other. The problem is is that this kind of idea has also spilled over into religion. And so we are told that each religion leads to the same level of salvation as the next. Each will bring us to the same level of happiness, whether in this world or in the next, as any other religion. The methods of salvation supposedly may differ a little bit, but not the consequences. For Christ now by many is considered only a religious figure among many. Perhaps significant for adherents of that faith, our faith, but not superior in any way. He is just one among equals. The problem is, is that this is not what Isaiah says in our text, nor is it what we read in the rest of Scripture, what Scripture teaches throughout. There is a dualism. There is a true faith and there is a false faith. There is a heaven and hell, not 
some kind of neutral ground in between. There is one who saves, and all the rest don't. Our problem is, what, which one will we believe, the world or Scripture? Which one will we teach, what the world says or what the Bible tells us? Our problem is, is that often it is easier to go along with the world and its isms than to follow in the path of the truths of Holy Scripture. And we see much of contemporary Christianity capitulating to the isms of our world and beginning gradually to abandon more and more of what Scripture teaches. The problem is that the way of the world is still the way of the salt land where no one can live. While the way of the Lord leads, as Jeremiah says, to the place that never fails to bear fruit, where there will be an everlasting liveliness of those who dwell in the presence of God. Jesus says, I am the way. He doesn't say, I am one of the ways but he is the way, the only way to eternal life. There simply is no other. We must be like the man who trusts in the Lord, not like the one who puts his confidence in man. We made to make a choice. We can't have it in some kind of middle in between, a little bit of this world and a little bit of Scripture. God says it's one way or the other. There are two ways, the way of death and the way of life. May God grant that we can choose the way of life, the way led into eternal life by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. In his name, amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus.